Hi, welcome to yet another episode of The Work. The Work is a podcast that I co-host with my dear friend and colleague, Gina Kelly, and we take the topics of the HR universe, the HR tech industry, and its adjacent spaces and dig deep into them. Today, we're going to be spending time with Ariel Kilroy. Ariel is, a, is an entrepreneur who currently lives in Berlin and is the founder of a company called Dato HR. So, Ariel, why don't you tell us, we were just, just talking about this, tell us the origin of the, of the name of the company. Yeah, so Dato is a woodworking joint. It's actually used in furniture making. And um, we chose it because it was a really great example of where the sum is greater than the parts. And because of the nature of our tool, we're an employee experience management platform, which is a new category of software. Um, it, it really reflected the value we were trying to bring where you might have all these pieces, but actually bringing those together into something bigger than what they are individually. Uh, and we thought this was just a really great way to kind of communicate that. So you're in Berlin and um, um, I'm, I'm scratched my head, but Gene, you may, you may know something that I can't remember, but, but I haven't seen very many HR tech companies blossom in Berlin. And it's sort of, you know, there's, as we were talking before, there's the historical complexity of Berlin. And so it's kind of hard to imagine that that's a, that's a, a ground for um, an emerging HR oriented company. Talk about that a little bit, because the, the ironies have got to be just delicious. <laughs> well, actually, there are quite a few HR tech companies here. Um, you know, I'm sure not nearly as much as in California or in London or something like that, but there are at least two big ones. And then there's another big one in Germany. Actually, there's probably two other big ones in Germany. But we, you know, the, the nature of how Berlin specifically has evolved over even the last 10, 15 years uh, has really led to a huge investment in uh, tech companies and startups here. So you're really seeing a lot of um, new things being established. And one of the nice things you get in Berlin that is more challenging to get in other parts is the cosmopolitan nature of the city. So everybody moves here from all over the world. And so you have a a different type of diversity than you would necessarily have in the makeup of many other tech companies. You'll have people from, you'll you'll commonly have like 20 or 30 nationalities in, in a company of 50 people. That's awesome. So so at the heart of Dato, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at the heart of Dato is this extremely interesting idea that you can make HR in general, more effective and more productive by adopting techniques and uh, methods from product management. Um, and uh, that, that, again, that's a, that's a reasonably unusual claim to stake. <laughs> um, makes all the sense in the world to me because product management makes the world go round and, and it's got a product management contains a view of things that is less linear than you most usually see in HR. But tell me, tell me about the origin of that concept and how it's working. Yeah. So I was a, I was a product leader at a big tech company. Um, and I, in the office, I became quite good friends with the, um, the people team members there and I just watched them struggle, <laughs> like struggle with things I would consider basic problems to solve in other areas of the business. Um, and, and 
part of that struggle came, well, there was a couple of things I think that led to that, right? Um, one was they didn't have the data to be convincing to leadership that they should invest in that. And normally in other, in other areas of the business, you would go out and do an experiment. You would do something that would show that this is worth investing in because it's going to have this type of impact. How does HR do that? <laughs> um, there was a lot of other, uh, you know, another big aspect is, you know, I think sometimes company leaders can think of um, people processes as like buttons you press, like go do performance reviews, button pressed, done. And that's absolutely not how you make a good performance review process. There's so many things that go into it. And the administration of running that process is so time consuming and so heavy that that people never get around to being able to actually, you know, iterate on those processes in, in meaningful ways to be able to make them more impactful. So in general, you know, HR teams end up coming off as these like cumbersome naggers that are like cost centers. Uh, and, and I believe there was another way we could, we could approach that. <laughs> That's great. Tell me a success story. Tell me. You, so, so, so you install in companies with existing processes um, and so there's got to be some sort of ongoing conversion factor where where people learn a new way of doing things and get a different set of results. What's that what's that arc like and, and illuminate it with an example? Yeah. So actually, we see two versions of this. So one is the version where company has an existing process. Um, we'll use onboarding because it's one that everybody relates to um, and they'll have, you know, we send out what we call internally the giant PDF and it has 60 links in it. And we hope that somebody navigates that. And then they show up the first day and they have to do their I-9s or they have to do X, Y, Z. And um, and I'm going to pause for a second to deal with this really quickly. Hold on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very um, curious pussycat wandering around behind. <laughs> I, I, was, I was totally I love, for the I love cat it. to jump onto the I, guitar. I know, I know. I think he was thinking about it. So, okay. <laughs> like, um, uh, so, so, you know, they have all of these things and, and what they're doing is um, there's stuff that people need to do. Um, and, but being able to manage that in some sort of way that makes sense, they really are optimizing for the administration side of it because they have to. And so what we do is we dissect all of those pieces and the things that they always wanted to do. And we translate that into a um, autumn, we call these experience plans, right? So we translate this into an experience plan and then it's all automated. And when we say automated, we mean like real automated, not what your HIS does where it sends out like a welcome email with their first name or something. And, and what we fundamentally change the way an organization runs a process. You know, um, oftentimes you'll have a person who spends 40 hours just copy, being basically a sensitive data entry person, copy, paste, copy, paste, right? And, uh, and what happens now is that administrative overload goes entirely away. Seriously, like thousands and thousands of hours, both for the admin and then all of the managers involved and all the different stakeholders. We manage that whole process. We automate the entire process. And then they're getting for the first time ever quantitative data of what's actually happening because everything's tracked. So this is a real game changer. I'll come back to this. Um, what happens sometimes though in other, in other organizations, they actually don't have a process 
And so what they start with is just like, we just want to have a welcome email and some of the software automations that go where we add them to the right calendar events and create the right channels and things like that, because that already is uh, you know, a good starting point because we don't do that. And then they actually build it iteratively because the tool allows that. And this is one of those challenges that HR has is that they have to go and design and I'll use that word very loosely here, design a process, um, and then roll it out. And then they can't touch it because everybody freaks out if they touch it. And so it's like, you presented this in all hands. We've seen six decks on it. Like you cannot do, you can't change it. And that makes it really challenging to build something incrementally, which is what we do in every other part of the business. Which is, is, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, gosh, poor HR. Mm-hmm. HR is so maligned. It's like they can't win even when they're winning. So, yes. so is HR your primary buyer or are there other stakeholders that you need to engage to really make this successful? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, so HR works very closely with IT. Mm-hmm. Um, we often see that they have like service level agreements and everything between them, which is a really interesting point in itself. Um, and then we almost always are working, you know, we try to include as part of the procurement process, talking to their hiring managers um, and other stakeholders who would be involved. Uh, it's really important when you do this kind of big shift that you have that buy-in to get people to be really excited about it. But the people who, you know, the people's lives that we touch the most are definitely HR, IT, and managers. And then of course the new joiners themselves. So so couldn't one argue that, and I won't name brands, but you know, that big HRMS vendors are are doing something similar. What what's what's different in terms of what you're doing and, and are you doing it deeper and better? Like what where's the differentiation? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna tell a funny story here. Um so <laughs> I once spoke to um, you know, a, a very senior IT person at a at a well-known company who used to work at one of these. <laughs> and he went on this rant to me. <laughs> It was a very interesting. (laughs) He was just like, this company, big HRIS or workforce management tool that we won't name, um, should have done this. They should have made Dato and they did not. (laughs) And I am mad that we have to buy your product after spending millions of dollars. (laughs) Well, that's it. Yeah. 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 And and he said, you know, they're just too behind. Their technology is too old. Um, and and their systems and the way they run the companies are too slow. They will never be able to catch up. And this is really one of the things that's, that happens when you have these big or big old companies is they become these, you know, behemoths of, of um, I mean, I'll say code, right? Because I come from the technology side of the organization, behemoths of code. You can just see the code duct tape everywhere in their product. And it becomes a nightmare for people to use. The reality is as though that they're so big in the space and there's not that many better options. They're all kind of bad in different ways that um, that people just deal with it. I mean, honestly, the tools that HR is expected to, like the quality of the tooling that HR is expected to just tolerate. I mean, I can't even imagine 
going to to a designer or an engineer or <laughs> to a product person or to even to a customer success person and be like, oh, you have to use this type of product. Like there would be that interesting. <laughs> That's very interesting what you just said, John. It looks like you want to comment on that. Well, yeah. So so I, I'm going to sort of feed this back to you. See, let's see if I'm right. So so when I go out into the operators world, the non-HR world, the way things get done are is always the perfect is the enemy of the best, right? That's always mm-hmm. that's always the case. And so what you do is you get something that's close enough, you get started and you stub your toes and you fix it. And there's this very iterative process to getting things launched. And that's how progress happens everywhere. Yes. You go into HR and um, there is this notion that HR has to be perfect out of the chute. Um, and and so um, there's not, I, I know of no model where what HR people do is learn by iteration. Um, <laughs> um, they have to guess and they always guess badly and then they have to defend the guess, right? And, yes. and mm-hmm. um, um, so... So, okay, I get that. Now, now it, it would be interesting. I don't know that we have time today, but it would be very interesting to hear stories about what it's like to roll out an HR process in an iterative way. Um, because what you're saying about the big software companies is that they create these things that are a logarithmic expansion of the idea that you have to be perfect going in. And yes. they create tools that force you to be perfect going in. And so they inhibit the possibility of being iterative in the development of a program or a process, um, uh, which means everybody you t- everybody you encounter is a prisoner that you're trying to break. That this is you're, you could rename your company the Shawshank HR system. Right? I mean, absolutely, John. Seriously, you see this come up in the questions that they ask. You would never, as a product person, if I'm trying to say procure like a product management um, uh, piece of software, ask what, how long it takes, how long it takes to like implement. That's not even a question I would ask. What do you mean? You just implement it. And, um, but it's like the fear of like, what's the implementation timeline look like in from HR? <laughs> because, you know, they all have had these um, big it, you know, big software companies we won't name that say like, oh, the implementation timeline is going to be six months, but then it's like actually 14 months. (laughs) Like, how does that even exist? How do we exist in a world where they have an implementation timeline of 14 months? Like we have chatbots that can answer every question you want and then it takes you 14 months to set up a piece of software. Outrageous. so let's talk about what it means to implement to iteratively. So if we use onboarding example, uh, what happens? Actually, right now we have this with a, a development team. So they're run, they're doing their first technical uh, onboarding for the first time, and quite large team, larger than many organizations, right? And uh, they're they're really excited. They loved the general onboarding. So now the the COO to the CTO asked if they could use our tool. By the way, how many? Um, how many times has the tech part of the organization asked HR if they could use their tooling? And, 
And so we're working with them. And what he's saying is like, okay, right now we don't do anything. I just want to like welcome them nicely and let them know where to look on our internet. And then I want to add them to all the meetings and to the right Slack channels based off of their role. Let's just start with that. So they go ahead and put that in our tool. Then they start saying, okay, you know, where are we going to be hiring in the next couple of months? Let's go ahead and put some good guides together for that. And we want to then have those. And for those people at those level, we'll put in additional, say, tasks or content that we want them to consume or tests or things we want them to take. And we'll add those in. And they'll only go to those people because we haven't developed it for everyone yet. And then we'll go ahead and say, okay, you know, now we want to have what it means to be an engineering manager in this organization. That's very special. Not everyone's going to get that. We're going to go ahead and spend time working on that. And when that's ready, we'll go ahead and add that to it. And it really means that um, you'll look over time and these, these, uh, these experiences evolve really quite drastically. Um, I was on with one of our customers recently and she was like, you know, we used to do this task before. I want to go see how we did it before. And so she pulled someone up from October and we looked at the experience they had gone through in October and what the experience was now. And it was, it was like five things in October. And the, they have an experience now that has like 75 different like things in it because they've been able to develop it over time and then continue to tweak and customize it to make it more and more personal um, and they do that because it takes them 10 minutes to do that as they have new ideas or as they get feedback from people. You would never be able to do that in your version of the perfect. Um, it would be too, you couldn't anticipate those things to begin with. You wouldn't be able to get the perfect, right? It wasn't exist. You need to have data back to be able to, to, to do that. And you wouldn't, I mean, how would you, how would you even administer that? It would just be too costly. Possibly. Yeah, I, I have, um, some hope that this kind of thinking can can be deployed in a way that um, that, that makes a difference. The, the the thing about HR that's always so interesting is that it lags, right? And, and there, there are a bunch of reasons for that. There's no such thing as an HR R&D budget, and there's no such thing as a return on investment in HR because yeah. it's, it's all cost. And so, so it's a maligned function and the people who work inside of HR are valiant, but they but they don't have a view of what's possible. They don't I, have I a view of what's agree. possible. Here's a question: Why do you think it's um? Why do you think it's always viewed as a cost center? Because there are no good measures for showing the return. Yep, and so right. this is what we believe to be true as well. And so this is one of the reasons why we really just rethought about how you measure these things. Um, we don't, I mean, qualitative data is nice. Engagement surveys, everyone loves them, sure. Um, but they are not needle movers. And that's it, like, I'm just being honest here, right? Like it's important to do them. It helps you see if you have really horrible cultural problems, <laughs> um, but it's not gonna be the kind of thing that shows the impact of your work, especially to leadership. And it definitely doesn't unlock budget. So. Um, but we know what does. We see it in every other part of the organization. Results. <laughs> uh, so we need to be able to measure results. If we need to be able to measure results, then we have to be able to track activity. Uh, so so to, mm -hmm. here's the piece that that I'm, I'm where you framed it as an employee experience in the ex employee experience category. 
what has what have the employees said about it? What what kind of feedback does HR get from the employees after they go through this experience? Love, not actually even better. The managers love it, which is like if you you know if you work in HR, managers hate everything. Managers hate everything. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it starts with the recruiting process. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So the thing is, is we have a we have a completely. So again, this is like where we bring in different different types of thinking. If you look at HR tools, when you log in to whatever that HR tool is, and when your employees log in. Do they look the same? The answer is almost always yes. Maybe they have different permissions, but they are working with the same, like the same interface, even though they're dramatically different users with dramatically different goals. You don't do this in any other tool category. It's wild that this is how the, the, like that this is acceptable. We have a completely different interface for employees, completely different. I love that you come at this from, you know, we're talking about different, you're coming at this from a totally different angle. We see so much of HR technology being built from within, and we don't have outside voices, so to speak. And and even when we have outside voices from other parts of the business, um, they unfortunately many times get worn down from the, well, HR doesn't do it this way, or, you know, that isn't the way we've ever done it before, you know, so that kind of resistance. And to a point you made earlier, you know, HR doesn't really get to try a lot of things. There's not an opportunity for a sandbox because you're dealing with the workforce. It's a pretty tough audience. Um, I know we're, we're getting to the end of our time together. John, did you want to add anything? No, I think I think that this is one of the best ideas I've heard in some time, and um, um, I'm I'm excited to see you succeed, Ariel. Um, um, and so, good job. <laughs> Thank you. And coming from John, that's a high compliment. <laughs> I mean, I really. I, I remember saying that once before to somebody, but it was like a hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Two in one hundred years. There you go. <laughs> no, it's 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 interesting because have you ever been at a company that's like dying that slow death, and you can everybody can feel it and sense it. Aren't they all? <laughs> do i have to name those brands <laughs> yes i have been there <laughs> yeah and the thing is is like what helps a company turn that around i think it's the people i think it's the talent and if you can't organize people to do good work and show that then your company will just die that slow slow death <laughs> and and i really truly believe that we're going to be able to you know, I, I'm looking 10 years ahead, even though we're here, right? Like, uh, you know, at Dato. And um, and I really, truly believe that we are going to not only shift the way workforces organize to get work done, but empower people teams to be able to show the real business impact of that. I mean, this is where we are today. And it's already, you know, I'll say quite impactful. Um, but I definitely believe that there is going to just be a completely different way where you're going to organize your workforce. Like that world is possible and uh, and we will get there. That's awesome. Thank Absolutely. you so much for doing this, Earl. Would you mind telling people how they can get a hold of you and... Um... You know. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at dadohr.com. 
Uh, and you should definitely add me on LinkedIn. Um, I am a big, I love to talk to every HR leader. I learn something new. If you can't tell, even though I come from product, um, I'm obsessed with this problem. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I love to hear all the different um, horror stories that you have and um, all the different successes, wishes, and dreams and hopes you have. <laughs> Thanks. It's been a great conversation, Ariel. We've been talking with Ariel Kilroy, who is the founder and CEO of Dato HR, located in Berlin, but transcending the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we work with global companies. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thanks for doing this. You've been listening to The Work, which is the podcast that I co-host with my dear friend and colleague, Gina Kelly. Thanks for checking in.